Chapter 5. Beautiful music. Okay, let's be clear. What I've stumbled upon is an old logging road, not much wider than a trail. Cut through the forest long ago to bring out lumber. How do I know that? Because my dad was a trucker, and when he was young, he drove at paper companies in Skihogan, hauling pulpwood out of the forest and taking it to the mills for processing. Dangerous work. Driving heavily loaded trucks on a dirt trail. Make a mistake and the truck can flip over, with all of those heavy logs crushing the cab. This particular road is pretty overgrown. It looks like it hasn't been used in years, so it's not like I can stick out my thumb and hitch a ride. On the other hand, I'm pretty sure that logging roads eventually connect with the main road. They'd have to, to bring the wood to the paper mills, right? So it's really important that I choose the right direction. Go the wrong way, and the old road will likely take me deeper into the forest. Which way? I have no idea. How could I? Make your decision and stick to it. Thanks, Dad. But that doesn't really help. In the end, I flip a coin in my head and turn left. The old trail winds through the forest and under a canopy of green leaves. Mossy, rotting stumps squat along the old trail. More proof that loggers worked this road back in the day. A lot of paper mills have closed, which is why my father switched over to bulk tanker trucking before I was born. He hauled everything from milk to gasoline, made a good living, but nothing like the money they paid him to drive gas tankers in Afghanistan for as long as it lasted. Combat pay, even though he was a civilian. Money intended for my college fund and to save for a bigger house. So I'm at least partly to blame for why he took the job in the first place. But I'd rather not think about that. Concentrate on covering ground while I've got the chance. The light is dim. This far into the woods and getting dimmer. And the thirst is starting to make me feel lightheaded. They say being dehydrated can mess with your mind and thinking straight will help me stay alive. So I need to find water and fast. There has to be water in leaves, right? A drop or two? Tearing a few leaves off a bush, I stuff them into my mouth and chew. Not to swallow, just to squeeze a little moisture into my mouth and throat. But the taste is so awful. I try to spit it out and a piece of a leaf sticks to the back of my throat and makes me gag and cough and cough some more. When it finally comes loose, I'm able to catch my breath. That coughing fit makes me stop and remember something important we learned in camp. When you're lost in the woods, you have to think and plan or risk dying of exposure, which can happen if your body temperature gets out of whack, too hot or cold, or if you don't get enough water. Use your brain or die. That's the rule. Our camp counselors explained the danger most, most of us already knew. Every year, tons of hikers and hunters get lost in the woods of Maine, and we hear about it on TV. Usually they get rescued, but not always, which makes me remember the stories. One about a Girl Scout who got separated from her troop on a foggy day, and now she found water by following the mosquitoes, because mosquitoes never far from water. That's a smart girl. 
Never before have I wanted to get bit by mosquitoes. But here I am, trudging along in a logging road in the dying light. So thirsty, it hurts. If getting bit by a few mosquitoes is what it takes to find water, so be it. Come for me, you whiny little monsters. Lead me to water. Lead me to life. Part two. I never do get bit, but as I concentrate on listening for annoying telltale whine of mosquito, I hear something much, much better. A sound more beautiful than music, the gurgling of water is coming from deep in the brush, just off the logging trail. I approach slow and careful, thinking about snakes. If you must know, there are no poisonous snakes in Maine, according to our camp counselor, but I don't care to meet one, poisonous or not. What I find looks at first like a stump of a giant tree surrounded by thick green ferns. But it turns out it's actually an old spring. The low, circular sides of the mossy bricks that look like wood in the dim light. The top is big and round and covered made of thick, rough sawn planks. Part of the brick siding has crumbled away and that's where the water is leaking out, feeding the ferns. By then, I'm on my hands and knees, mouth jammed up against those mossy bricks, slurping down cool, clear water, beautiful water, blessed water, best tasting water that ever there was. I drink until my belly is full, tight as a drum. I'm woozy with the thrill of it. So satisfied that I'm tempted to curl up next to the spring and go to sleep. Might have done it too. If a thought didn't bob to the surface and fight for attention. What's a man-made spring doing in the middle of nowhere? The brick sides, the thick wooden cover had been built for a purpose. To keep the water clean and contained. Shift that cover, shift that cover and water could be drawn out by the bucketfuls. But why here? And for who? Only one answer makes sense. The spring was built by the same men who had cut this logging road into the woods. Lumbermen from the lumber camps, which gets me back on my feet and hurrying along the trail with hope in my heart. Chapter 6. Sleep Like the Dead the old lumber camp is nearly invisible in the fading light. Located not 50 yards from the spring, in a clearing overgrown with bushes and ferns and skinny saplings that makes everything look blended together. Kind of a natural camouflage. I can barely make it out of a couple long, low sheds slowly sinking into the ground. One of them has a caved-in roof. Nearby is a small one-story cabin with a intact roof. The little cabin is not much bigger than a garden shed, but it can be a shelter for the night, a place to hide from bears. Did I mention bears yet? My dad said, stay clear of bears if possible. Mostly black bear will leave you alone, he said, but not always, especially a mama bear with cubs. It's very dangerous. 
So bears have been on my mind ever since the sun started setting. And when you're thinking about bears, every clump of bushes looks like one ready to charge. I hurry across the clearing and get to the sagging front porch of the cabin just, just as darkness falls like a hot, steamy blanket. I can barely make out the front door and expect to find it locked. Maybe I can get skinny through a window or break in if necessary. This is an emergency. Wait, what with the fire coming to get me and the wind shifting? When I thumb the latch, the door swings creakily inward. Anybody home? I call into the darkness, not really expecting a reply. The air inside is hot and stale and smells like wood and pine sap. Sweat trickles down for a sweat straight. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sweat trickles down from my forehead and stinging my eyes. Sweat from the heat, but also from being afraid, spooked by the dark and terrified fire will catch up. I feel along the wall beside the front door, hoping for a light switch. No luck. Doubtful the cabin has electricity. I sure didn't see any power lines nearby. As I search for light switch, something hard and solid bumps my wrist. It's all I can do not to scream. Was that a bony hand? My heart is slamming so hard I can barely breathe. Don't be a moron, Sam. Don't panic. Keep it together. Use your brain. Find what bumped you and deal with it. Slowly, I pass my fingers along the wall and touch the thing that nearly scared me to death. A flashlight hanging with a thin rope just inside the door. I press the button, expecting the batteries to be long dead. But to my amazement, a beam of light nearly blinds me. I've never been so grateful for such a small thing. A simple flashlight. Thank you, I say. To whoever was thoughtful enough to leave it hanging by the door, thank you, thank you, thank you. The warm beam of light lights up a small, tidy interior. A pot-bellied cast iron wood stove with a tiny chimney going up through the roof. A little square table with two spindly chairs. A narrow bunk. A stack of wooden crates piled up against the back wall. And a dust. Lots of dust. I check out the top crate, plastic gallons of supermarket water. The labels haven't faded or peeled, so they can't be that old. The lumber camp looks abandoned though, like the logging is long over, but it seems like someone has visited this camp recently, which explains the flashlight and the fresh jugs of water. A supply of water is good, no? It's great, it's amazing. But I'm suddenly so exhausted I can barely keep my eyes open. I head my I head for the narrow bunk. Thin mattress, no sheets, but I'm grateful to have a bed. It doesn't matter that the cabin is stifling hot and smells old and musty, but at least it doesn't stink of smoke. A safe place to sleep seems like a treasure I couldn't imagine when the flames were chasing me from tree to tree. As soon as the sun rises, I intend on to keep running, putting distance between me and the fire. But tonight, I need to get some rest. Part two.
I lie in the dark, wishing I were home. My mom and I live in Wells, Maine. Not in the beachy, touristy part, but out in the woods by the sand pits. Which is fine. I like it out there. At night, you can hear the coyotes yipping under the power lines. Yipping and howling and singing to each other. Kind of scary if you never heard it before. But once you know, it's like listening to a family conversation. Dad, mom, and the kids. I miss it. Miss it, miss it. I fall asleep worrying about my mother. Did the people at the clinic tell her I was missing? Will she stay in the program? Or will she quit and try to find me on her own? I can hear myself begging her. 28 days. Mom, that's all you have to do. Four weeks, and then you'll be free. No more pills. Your mind will be clear. I'll go to summer camp, and you can go to rehab. They'll help you. Mom, I promise. Stay in the program, please. No more pills. No more pills. No more pills. I pray no more pills. I sleep like the dead. All right, so that was chapter two. I'm sorry, that was chapter six. And tomorrow we'll do chapter seven. We'll start on chapter seven, which is entitled Make a Giant make a giant help all right so keep listening keep paying attention answer the questions that may pop up on the screen and then you can also just follow along whatever questions i put on the screen uh you can just reply in the comments in the post okay all right guys love you guys appreciate it be safe and have a wonderful day